Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 119 of the WW Bro Podcast with me, your host, comedian Anthony DiDomenico, coming to you live every Monday night, 8 p.m. from Facebook. And as always, you can listen to the podcast at www.bropodcast.podbean.com. Listen on iTunes, and you can five-star rate and review. I love reading those reviews. Love hearing what you guys have to say. Please send those along and share them. And uh, you can also follow along on Instagram. My Instagram is at ComicAnthonyD, and the podcast's Instagram is Podcast. Just got a couple of announcements here before we bring our guest on. As you can probably see in my ghetto setup here, he's <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> but uh, the, the live podcast, the date's probably going to change, guys. I mean, New York is just going into phase one at um, on March 15th. So that May, May, May 15th, not March 15th. So I'll definitely know more. Uh, next coming week or so, and I'll make that announcement here on the podcast. Uh, hopefully, uh, we can get it sometime during the summer. That's the goal. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how far they're going to want to push it back. And I got to see how Phase One goes here before we can really make that announcement. But it is something I'm really working on and, and want to do. I definitely want to get that live podcast going. It just seems like every time we go to do it, there is a setback. But we will get that. We will get the live podcast going, and hopefully, like I said before, I could come do podcasts in your town. That's the goal of this as well. You know, as what actually my guest tonight, I would have loved to have done this podcast in person, uh, either down where he lives in New Jersey or him here with me at my house. But I wanted to welcome my very good friend, comedian Ryan Marr. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. I don't hear you. Ryan, you hear anything? I can't hear him now. All right, so there, there's that. Well, let me just try to get this again here. Anything? You can't hear anything. Well, that's how that goes. There we go. Ryan, you hear anything? You can You can hear me? That's this is what live uh, this is what live podcast does, folks. I got to figure out here just exactly what I did before uh, to get him on here. I had it before. Nothing. Hear you, man. I, I, there I we go. Started. There we go. We're I on. You. I got you now. Yep. Well, well, good job. You ruined the whole bit with the mask. Ruined the whole bit with the mask. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> turn the volume down. The MacBook, my friends. <laughs> All right, so once again, my good friend, comedian Ryan Marr, joining me here on the podcast. Yeah, my, <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad to be with my former good friend, Anthony DiDomenico. And <laughs> I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure this out, how to get a, a picture in a picture. So I, what I did was I put my computer here, and you yeah. kind of got Ryan in, in the picture there so you guys could see him. Oh, what's going on, man? 
Nothing much, man. I give you a lot of credit because you were, I mean, you've been doing this now even before <laughs> uh, WW, bro. I mean, you had the Organized Chaos podcast. Yeah. And I was on that in person. So you've always been way ahead of the curve uh, technology-wise. So Until today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what, dude? I mean, like, look, I, I, I never really took any of this uh, technology stuff seriously. And I've, you know, had like a seven-week crash course now. Um, well, you hey, got, it's, it's you got a new podcast coming out, right? What's that? You got a new podcast coming out, right? Yeah, so uh, I have a friend, PJ Windle, and he's the host of a podcast called Essential Guy Talk. And PJ uh, owns an entertainment business called Essential Sounds Entertainment. And just, uh, you know, a killer entrepreneur. He's got a new uh, business coming out called Back to the Movies, where they're going to be doing portable drive-in movie theaters. Um, but aside from that, he's also going to be trying to do, like, different live events, kind of like, uh, you know, you've seen Fathom Events he used to do the UFC fights. He's trying to get all these different licenses. So he's been a podcaster for years, and I did his show uh, last week, Essential Guy Talk. And then afterwards, he's like, you know, we should really do our own thing. So we're starting Wednesday night. It's called Spitball and Legends. It's going to be a podcast about different legends in pop culture. And uh, – background on their life, their careers, and we're going to have a little fun. We're going to be roasting them lightly, hence the term <laughs> spitball. Uh, it's going to be a good time, and we're going to have different guests on. Um, our first episode is going to be – our first legend is going to be Howard Stern. We figured that would be a great one to start with. Awesome. Um, and then as the weeks go on when we have different legends and whatnot, we're going to have different people that we've met over the years working in show business that are acquainted with or former colleagues of certain legends. Um so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, we've got nothing else to do. And where, so, where can they we'll find that if they're, they're looking for it? I'm going to the, the Facebook page for that should be live tonight. It's going to be called Spitball and Legends. If you follow okay. me on Instagram at Ryan Mar Comedy, Ryan M-A-H-E-R Comedy, Facebook, all that. We'll have all that out. Also, the Essential Guy Talk podcast, which is his podcast. He's going to be running a stream of it on there. Um you know, again, I am not a tech savvy person, so the fact that you were able to just handle this so quickly, our little glitch, I'm I would, very yeah. Well, I, I I got this new software, but I just couldn't connect Skype to it, and it's supposed to work really well with Skype. I got I was watching videos on it today, so I'll spend the rest of the week learning it, and hopefully by next week I can get. It. That's the only thing that's missing is that I can integrate Skype. For yeah, so you know, no, bring so people just on. Make sure that it didn't work for my episode. Perfect it for the next guest. That's, yeah, that's a well, McKenna's episode was uh, we couldn't get the sound going, and then <laughs> this episode is I couldn't get the video going, and next week will be awesome when it's just me and myself. So I, that's how I, it's going to be. Were you, were you wind up? Were you able to wind up getting McKenna through? Or was yeah, no, of- I, I got him through eventually. It, it was it was uh, it was definitely um, a little bit of a hassle. You know, it was funny last week. I said to him, I, I figures that the week I go up, you know, almost five pounds, I have McKenna on to break my balls. Um, <laughs> but I actually, I had a good week. I always give the guys the weigh-in this week, so I'll go ahead and I'll do that. I, I weighed in this morning. I was down 1.7, and I'm now down a total of 199 uh, point, I think, three or six, between three and six. It's 199 point something. I, I, I it's, it's, uh, but I'm coming back to 200. It seems like I get it to 200 a little bit over and I come back down again. I'm just fluctuating in the, in that spot. So I'm trying to figure out exactly, uh, what is causing that. And hopefully I could just break through that and just keep, keep going. Cause I would like to be down like 225, 250. Well, for the people that are watching on, on my feeds, uh, he's talking about pounds. Uh, <laughs> I don't I mean, you know, because because I, I, I was the thing I put, you know, a lot of people that are, are friends of mine or acquaintances of mine or fans of mine, they've either seen you perform with me or they've seen our going back and forth. Oh, uh, yeah. But I don't think they truly know 
what the, what the journey is. And I mean, WW Bro, of course, you built a, a whole brand with it. But for the people that are watching on my feed, he's talking about pounds. He's lost uh, over 200 pounds, and he's and he's complaining that he he put five back on when I've put on 30, and I think most of America. <laughs> has put on 15 to 20, but I got to take, you know, my hat off to you, my proverbial hat, because I mean, for you to be able to maintain, uh, and stay on any type of program is, is, is really impressive because I, I think oh, a lot you. of people have just put stuff and you can't blame them. I mean, well, you know, it, I'm not blaming them, but I mean, if this has taught us anything, and I talked about this when this really first started, if this, this, you know, virus has taught us anything, it's a, really going at the people who aren't healthy. And if it's, if it's any more of a push to take care of yourself, you know, I, I know friends that have gotten it that have been very healthy and they, they cycle through it and they're fine. I'm not saying that. Listen, there's a lot of horrible things going on in the world, but I'm saying why give it one more thing? Why give it one more advantage? Why give anything like that one more advantage and not take care of yourself? So now more than anything, I think it's, it's while we have this time, it's, you have the time to really focus and, and, take care of yourself instead of being like, okay, it's a pandemic. I'm sitting home. Might as well just throw in the towel because when this is over and we go back, you know, when life goes back to the way it was or whatever that form is going to be, do you think you're going to go right back into, you know, being in the mindset of losing weight and eating right and going to the gym? No, you're going to have these old habits that have creeped back in and you're going to find yourself either further back from where you started. That's how I look yeah, at it. And, and I and I feel too like, you know, knowing how I am with my own, you know, uh, mental health and whatnot and also being, you know, quite a bit of a hypochondriac, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can I very easily wind up getting depressed with with things that I can no longer control, you know, regrets looking back. And so if, if I don't take this time and again, I'm not following a a program uh, like you, but what I've noticed is, is I mean, you've known me for God, 10, 11 years now. So, so you've noticed, especially me living on the Jersey Shore, and not just as a comic, but being involved in so many different aspects of nightlife on the Jersey Shore all year round. Summer is the busy time, whereas, <laughs> whereas, like you know, for other comics in other parts of the country, or even North Jersey and, and New York and Long Island, where you're at, you know, things slow down in the summer. Uh, for a lot of you guys, yeah. summer for the last couple of years has been a busy time for me with a bunch of different projects. And I'm like, you know what? My luck, if I don't start, you know, really watching myself, this will be over by July and I'll be fatter than ever. So, um, you know, well, I'm, I'm rooting to, for I'm, that. I want, I, when we do the show at Jenks, I, I want that to be the case this way. I can, you know, when you make fun of me about what like in any kind of wrestling or anything like that, I can go ahead and, uh, <laughs> you know, point out that I ballooned up. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is it, it, you know, so in the past, every time around March, I've always gone on like these crash diets where, you know, I mean, a few years ago, it was the the Z Su Tang Chinese bee pollen pill mm -hmm. that uh, basically you'd have to remind yourself to eat. I would take one of these in the morning and then at night, I remember I was dating a girl at the time who, who you know, was a personal trainer and she'd be like, what'd you eat today? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I had a hard boiled egg for breakfast. And she's like, and what else? And I'm like, that's it, because you just weren't hungry. And then when you did go to eat something, it came right back out uh, a half hour later. But I would drop 30 pounds in a month. And of course, it's not healthy, but it was always these short term goals and stuff like that. You know, you always hear like, OK, diet is 90 percent of it. Right. Yeah. And I would have no problem going on like a month or two of strict dieting. But I was never really into heavy duty exercise. And even just walking, you know, two, three miles a day, which I don't consider heavy duty, I would never, I would never do that. So I think that if I could really just start to eat better, 
because now I'm walking between three to five miles a day. I started out at a mile and I've worked my way up. Mm -hmm. But then I'm coming home and I'm making some poor decisions food wise. So if I can try to hone that in, I think I'll be set, man. I'm looking to, you know, be like, you know, Lex Luger in the 90s by 2025. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I mean, it is diet. You know, what you take in is absolutely 90 percent of it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's calories in, calories out. And, you know, no you doubt. can't you can't exercise bad eating away. That's not going to happen. I mean, you'll maintain You'll put mm. on a little weight, but you're not going to get those results that you want. And everybody's in a different boat. Like You're in a different boat than I am. I still have a tremendous amount of weight to lose. So I can't really look at it that way uh, as other people that don't have as much weight to lose. They might want to maintain a little more. They want to build a little more muscle. I'm trying to get as much off of me as possible um, and trying to build muscle at the same time. Well, you know, so. It's funny because it's funny like my number, like I just weighed myself the other day. And I was around 255, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I usually, I usually for the last couple of years, at my all-time heaviest back in 2009, um, I was around 272. And I remember that was like reality sitting. And I didn't even own a scale at the time. I, I had gone to a walk-in doctor for like, you know, just a, a fever. And, you know, yeah. they weighed me or whatever. And when I saw 272, I was like, wow. You know, I was in a relationship for like three years. Italian girl cooked constantly, loved going out to eat. And, you know, when you're in a relationship, especially, I don't think you really look at yourself the same way you do in a mirror when you're single. You know what I mean? Like, because when you're single, you're like, all right, do I look good? You know, what's going on? When you're spending all your time with a partner and you're going out to eat, like, it's easy for those pounds to pack on and, oh, and you yeah. don't even, you don't even think about it. And I got myself down to about 220 and that's where I felt you know, I'm six foot one. So I guess technically I'm supposed to, with that whole BMI thing, be between 190 and 210. But I felt at 220, I looked amazing. But I, I've the last couple of years, I've, I've gone between 245 and 250. So seeing 255 on the scale was like, uh oh. You yeah, know, you're, you're like, is you're right like exactly like on This Is Us, Toby's, you know, um, scale. Like, you know, we, we see Toby, he's, he's at the Overeater Anonymous meeting. Then we see him like in the CrossFit Toby. That was you kind of like last year. You like CrossFit Toby. You got, you got down. And then now what you're in now, like the depressed Toby, we're seeing him in the future laying in the bed with the, with the beard again. Wait, you know, and you know what's funny? I uh, <laughs> Are you there? I thought I lost you for a no, second. No, I'm here. I'm here. You're breaking up, buddy. That's because that's on your end. I'm not breaking, you're not breaking up on mine. Can you hear me now? I'll just keep on talking. There? Yep, I'm here. Keep talking. Just keep talking. I, I can't hear you, buddy. Yeah, are, are you back now? If you just did like a real funny, uh, you know, minute long bit, I, I didn't hear any of it. No, that. I didn't do anything. I was just saying, go ahead, talk, because I could, I could hear you. You can't hear me, so that's on your end. That was the. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no. So it's funny. The whole Toby. Ma, thing, fix the Wi-Fi. I, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to your awful impersonation of me. Um, but no, the Toby thing is always funny to me because I was watching that show. I was a fan of that show before he even debuted. So it's funny to me, like when people would go, oh, you know what you, you know who you look like? And then they would say, Toby from This Is Us. I'd have to like kind of play dumb just to, you know, have a man card and be like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. But meanwhile, I'm like, oh, I love that show, but I don't look like him. <laughs> it's so funny. You know, and we've done a lot of shows together this last year. Um, yeah. And every show we've done, somebody has come up to you. And even before you do the bit about it, even yeah. like before the show, I'm waiting. Like, you know who you look like? Yeah. You know, you look, and you get it so much and you're like, yeah, just wait, I'll, I'll talk about it later. It'll be much funnier when I talk about it. Yeah. I think it happened on in February when we did that show at the, at the cigar club up yes. in North Jersey. 
Um, that was late February. And uh, there was a woman, you know, you and I were smoking cigars and she came out. And, started. and it's funny, too, because now when I do it, when I, you know, drop that line on stage that I do, there's either sometimes someone in the audience who will cut me off and say, oh, my God, it's Toby. And then there's also other times where you just hear people go, oh, my God, it's so true. He does look like him. And then you'll have people come up and go, oh, you know, we were talking about how you looked like him. And then when you did the bit, you know, so it, it's it's funny. Look, there's worse people to be compared to. I just I have always noticed that it doesn't matter if you're bald and have either a goatee or a beard, you know, you just all bald guys. You know, like when I shave my beard, I've had people say Bruce Willis. When I was younger and in better shape, I've heard Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, you know, I'm portly and, and whatever. I get Toby. But again, I, there's work. I get every um, lesbian with a short haircut on Orange is the New Black. That's who everybody says I look like. Anyway, anyone. But didn't you didn't you start didn't you start comparing? I forget that actress's name off the top of my head, but she's very, very good. Weren't you comparing yourself to her before people even made the comparison? Or Orange is the New Black? No. Um, I did it because my friends did it. McKenna and Ziegler tagged me in a picture on Facebook and was like, Hey, awesome job on orange is the new black last night. (laughs) (laughs) So I Ziegler cracks me up. McKenna's funny too, but there's Ziegler. I remember being in your presence, uh, numerous times, like where Ziegler would just call you up for no particular reason. And just, it would be like an hour of you guys breaking balls back and forth. Oh, that's, that's what comics do. And I, I think that's one of the, that's what I, you know, what out of what's going on right now, as far as like not doing comedy, I miss that like the most. Oh, absolutely. Is, you know, not being, um, not being in that whole comic thing, like, you know, you know, in the green room. And that's what well, I no, really so you miss. And I, you and I have different opinions on that. I mean, I look, there's comics that I, that I love. I mean, you're obviously probably my closest friend in comedy, but you know, I, I just, I like the audience, man. I could give a shit less because, you know, a lot of that. Well, I do love the audience. I'm just saying one of the things I miss is the hang. I, I do enjoy that's part of it for me too. Is 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 the abs is that is that is the hang as well. Yeah, no, there's some comics. It depends on who the comic is. If it's if it's a show that um that I booked and you know uh you know it's guys that I have a personal rapport with, it's mm-hmm. fun. But a lot of times, man, especially at some of these clubs that you and I are familiar with, it just it got to a point, you know, it didn't matter where we were on the show, hosting, middling, or headlining, where it's just some of these people that were on the show I mean, with, with the phony, you know, Hey man, like, uh, I, I got kind of like over that. I, I, I much preferred talking with audience after the show and, and, and things of that nature. But again, you got to remember I'm in Jersey. There's not really a Jersey scene per se. Um, no. there's clubs, there's one nighters, but like where you were at in long Island, you know, you had three clubs that were owned by the same people, mm-hmm. same rotation of comics. There was not that, I mean, granted, there are some guys that are like the legends, right? Like, you know, you're not going to see Joey Cola MC unless it's like a big charity event. But other, everybody else was kind of on like this equal uh, playing field where it's like, OK, he might be headlining governors tonight, but he's MCing the brokerage next weekend. And so that's cool. That's how you can build rapport. In Jersey, it's like you go do a one nighter with some guy who you may not have seen or spoken to in six years. You know, and it's it's cool. It's fun. Yeah. But. You know, uh, just different scenes in different ways. But, yeah, I can understand how that would be something that you miss, because even when I would work those Long Island rooms and stay at your house, you know, me, you and Dan Barry would, you know, go out afterwards or hang out the next day during the day. So I could understand how that would be something that with, you know, this whole shit show that we're in. Well, yeah, you were kind of like a, a lone man uh, on an island there for, for a little while because, yeah. you know, you were like really the what the club would talk about. Like, that's how really 
give a little backstory on, on me and Ryan's friendship. This is funny. At first, I didn't like you, to be honest. <laughs> the feeling was mutual. From, <laughs> from Facebook, I didn't like you that much. And then we met at, I think it was McGuire's, right? McGuire's was the first time we met. Yeah, see, that's what's funny. I don't, I, I, I don't recall. Um, I, I don't really recall us being friends on Facebook prior, but I do remember it was a show at McGuire's. I think I was middling. You were hosting. I forget who the headliner was. I want to say it might have been like Mick Thomas or somebody. And I don't even think I was on the show. I think I, I came down because one of my friends are on the show. To be honest, that was one of the, the first time I met you. I wasn't on the show. I came down to hang out. Or weren't you hosting the open mic afterwards? Like That's what I was doing. I was hosting the open mic afterwards. So I come down, I was hanging out, and you were middling, and then I asked you to do a spot on the open mic. Okay. Uh, see, I thought that was the second time we met. I just have it this could have been. I mean, I, I just I don't remember the first time we met working together. Maybe it's, maybe I'm wrong, but it was like I knew, we were friends on Facebook because you just like you know when, when you start comedy, you just friend every comic that you know that right, you see. Yeah. And, and then you delete them over time. And then you delete them over time. But like we were friends on Facebook and then I, I just, I had just met you. Like I didn't really, I just, you know, cause listen, I mean, you, I know you now, so I know your humor, but like yeah. sometimes things you post, I was like, Oh, it's a dick. Um, <laughs> uh, no, dude, there's a guy here on the Jersey shore, uh, Nico, uh, Nico Vasquez, who's, who's a buddy of mine now. He's a bartender at DJs in the summer. And yeah. he had, he had some, uh, you know, a little bit of a run on reality TV there. He was on, I love New York on VH one. He went by 20 pack. So when he first got <laughs> off that show, he was, he was traveling, doing all these promos at bars and clubs. And he never knew that I was a comic. He just, I guess we somehow wound up on each other's social media pages. Um, and then he came to a show that I did at bar a, and he was like, Holy shit, bro. He's like, I never knew you were a comic. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I just would see you write this stuff, and I just thought you were a jerk off. And I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I look, I get that, but I, my first memory of you was at McGuire's. Like I said, I was on for the weekend, yeah. and those trips were brutal because until I got to a point where I started booking myself a, a hotel room across the street, I mean, it would take three hours on a Friday to get to McGuire's. Absolutely. It would take two hours and 10 minutes to get home. And then the next day there were the two shows at like 7.30 and 9.30 or whatever. So, you know, you, you spent all this time just driving in the car. But you and I had met and I thought you were kind of standoffish. But Most then over time, do. I remember, you know, was talking about the whole not pleasant thing. So <laughs> I just kind of thought you were a dick, too. But then I thought you were funny. So, you know, what it is. I, I, it's really my shyness that, that does that. I, I come kind of standoffish if I don't know somebody very well. And plus, I had that preconceived notion. But, you know, again, we... And I'm also very handsome, so it's intimidating. Yeah, that's know. what it is. Um, I was worried about the, you know, the three women that might have... I had a chance to maybe hook up with that night. Yeah, I mean, look, it's okay to feel threatened, bro. It's I was okay. very threatened. That's that's really what it is all these years <laughs> later. But no, we, we became friends and fast friends. We became very good friends quickly. And then you got me an audition down at the shore. Mm-hmm. At the club down there, you were regular. I got, I got past. I got, oh, I got half past. Yeah, um, you were, you, you were very cocky. I remember. Well, I got, I got, nice. I got sat down. He goes, let me ask you a question. How much do you write? And um, I've heard things about you that you are, uh, you know, uh, you got an attitude about you. And uh, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, all right, I told you that. Like, did you like my well, set? Yeah, no. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, I, you... I have a feeling who told him that it was probably <clears throat> the comic that always calls you mate. But anyway, uh, oh, my point is, all right. Is... <laughs> <laughs> my point is, though, is that, you know, it, it, it's it's come a long way. And, and now over the last couple of years, since I started producing shows at other venues um, 
and whatnot, man, you know, you've built this following, especially from being at that club too. There are people that used to go see you at that club that yeah. they're like, Oh wow, Anthony's on that show with you. Let me go and let me check it out. And, uh, well, we, yeah, we I, work I well, like always I'm... work well together right off the bat. I opened for you and yeah. we always had a good rapport. Just, you know, our personalities played well together. Our styles worked well together. So it's just natural that, you know, we, if we're doing our own thing just to put each other on the shows. Yeah. I mean, look, that's one of the things and and it's, it's with comedy clubs on the road. And and I think that with me starting, I was always told wrongly told by the person who was quote unquote managing my career uh, that, you know, comics who book their own shows are comics who can't get booked anywhere else. And, (laughs) And to a degree, there is some truth to that. You know, there are a lot of guys that have been producers uh, for 20 years that, uh, you know, never really worked any clubs, never had any accolades from their stand-up career, and they've stuck with that, and they just, you know, put on these awful shows. Mm -hmm. Whereas I started this thing where I was like, you know what, let me try to pair guys up or girls up that, like, not similar styles, but like where a show would flow or if you're friends with people, like when I had you at Jenks, it was you, Chris Roach and Brian McKenna, you know, three friends. They got to ride down together. So you got to save a little bit of money. Uh, Plus the ride down was a blast. We had a good time with that. that trip absolutely. Down. I mean, you guys were sending, you guys were posting these like ridiculous, funny videos <laughs> in the parking lot of the show. Well, Cause I, our faces were coming up on that. We want to get our picture of our faces on the, because let me tell you, it, it, you know, I don't, I've been in this business almost 10 years and I still get like a charge out of seeing my name and my picture in lights. I mean, it, and it was cool. I mean, Jenks is a, is a big club. Yeah. I mean, it's fame. Yeah. It is famous. I mean, it's been on, first of all, it's been on the Jersey shore. If you watch Jersey shore, they're always in that place. It's got <laughs> a, It's got a name recognition. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go down to point pleasant beach and you go down by the boardwalk. It's, a huge video trying. There's my face on the thing. It was it was pretty cool. It was a, it was a cool moment. Oh, without a doubt. And and you know, I like the idea. And, and and look, those jank shows. I kind of got the inspiration for them from watching the old Rodney Dangerfield specials, mm-hmm. where uh, my favorite comic that ever appeared on that special. Not favorite comic ever from that, but the best performance I ever saw was a, a legendary road comedian named John Fox who. Passed away about six, seven years ago. Unfortunately, I never got to meet him. But I always love when I when I hear other comics tell stories about him. And this was a guy. I mean, you want to talk hard living. I mean, cocaine, booze, mm-hmm. food, you know, so he wasn't the best uh, guy to follow lifestyle wise. But I loved his comedy. And, you know, the only real mainstream attention that I feel he ever got was from that one Rodney's special at Rodney's place on HBO. And so what I, what I like doing is at Jenks, okay, I'll be the host, you know, and I can go up and I can do a new 10 minutes uh, each week, or Mm. I could do crowd work, but now I'm going to put up two feature acts that are going to both kick ass. And then I'm going to put up a headliner that everyone's going to remember. And that's the way that I've always tried to book. And like I said, we started in the summer of 2017, we did three shows. Um, I'm sorry, summer 2018, we did three shows. Then 2019, we did six. And this year, they gave me nine. And uh, I'm, I'm still in contact with them. Uh, I was actually, you know, uh, wishing one of them a happy birthday the other day. Uh, they want to roll with it. We got Shane Gillis, July 7th. You're on I, offhand. I July don't 21st. You're on, you're on July 21st yeah. with uh, Tim Crapier and Tracy Carnazzo. Yeah, and it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a good time. I, I think that you know, what a lot of comics that don't work the road and the road is considered anything outside of like New York or LA or Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, 
they don't they're looking at the doom and gloom aspect of oh my god you know comedy is going to be one of the last things to come back because they're used to you know people being barked into a city club sitting on top of each other there are road venues some that will be perfect for comedy they've never even tried it that are going to try that route because i don't think they're going to be allowed to have bands and djs right yeah. away um you're not that's the case able, yes yeah you're not going to be able to enforce you know, quote unquote, social distancing, which I hate that term. I just want to punch people every time they say it, but it's the new normal. <laughs> uh, you can't do that when you got people <clears throat> dancing. But if you have a venue like Jenks where, you know, we were able to pack for the last show with truly 227 paid customers Amazing. and there was still plenty of room to walk and whatever. So I, I have a feeling that if comics are smart business people, which, you know, you and I have had this conversation for years, many are not. If they can market themselves properly and, and and book themselves and take care of their friends and other good comics they like working with, it's going to be okay, you know? And, and so what? Some of these places that have been mistreating comics for years and whatever, I'm not going to kick anyone while they're down, but all of a sudden, what? I'm supposed to now feel sorry for you? You know, you used to hand me a menu after I just sold 80 tickets for you and, and, and you're going to hand me a menu and say, oh, you can only have what's on the right side. And now I'm going to feel bad for you. Oh, no. absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I agree with you there. And, you know, I've talked about it on this podcast many times mm -hmm. because like a big part of my wellness is my mental health and how and comedy is is a big outlet for me. And it's a big and I I kind of got into it uh, with some people this week talking about comedy coming back. Um, maybe some people shouldn't go to comedy clubs. I made yeah. a, I posted a joke. I thought it was a funny joke and um, it got a lot of backlash and, you know, I, and it, it got me more aggravated than anything. Like, I don't care. Listen, I tell a joke. It go, if it goes over well, it goes over well. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I just, it, when they talked about closing the schools down for, for, for the year, mm -hmm. I, I tweeted out, I said, um, did you really think they were going to open schools just for a month? And I said, besides, what does it say when, you don't want to be home with your own kids. Now you're going to send them to the schools. You got the teachers got to deal with them. Just a stupid throwaway joke. Yeah. And, and a lot of people got upset with it. A lot of people got upset. And somebody wrote me on Instagram was like, I am happy that you can live such a carefree life, but I'm on the, I'm a nurse and my husband works full time. And you know, I said, and then I wrote back and I said, listen, I said, I don't live a carefree life. I said, you know, I, I have my own problems and struggles and things that are going on in my life. And, I, yeah, I always say, no matter what, everyone's got their shit. Yeah. Everyone's got And then I said, you want to talk about frontline? I said, I don't know where you live. I said, but my sister-in-law is a nurse here in New York in the epicenter of this outbreak. And my brother's my brother owns a business trying to keep it together. I said, people, and he's got three kids. They got three kids. Right? I understand people are stressed. I'm not making fun three of people. Three very young kids. Yeah. Again, I'm not putting down people. Um, I'm just, And I said, you know what? I said, and here's one thing I can't do. I said, you know, you love your, your kids. I love comedy. I'm a comedian. I can't do that. I can't do the one thing that I really love and dedicated 10 years of my life to. And she didn't respond to that, of course. But one woman had an awesome comment. And it What's was, that? she wrote like this whole, after like calling me ignorant and blah, blah, blah. She goes, she goes, oh, but you must know something about parroting since you make pancakes for your nephews once a month. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. that was, that was actually pretty funny. So I, well, I, you know, I, just to play, just to play devil's advocate and look, I'm on your side hundred percent, but mm -hmm. I, I think the issue that you're going to face uh, with, with doing that is for the longest time. And I remember even as your friend being critical of you of this in the beginning and telling you, but you know, look how wrong I was because I mean, you're built a whole brand yourself with this, but, uh, 
you don't post as many jokes as you used to, probably for that very reason. And I yeah. think it was a lot of maybe foreshadowing on your part where you knew that if you were doing, you know, look, what, what people don't realize is that we take premises and we try to formulate a bit around them. So we post that up there. And sometimes for better or worse, you know, there are things that I've done on stage that would never go well over on social media. There's things that I've done on social media that would never go well, go over well on stage. And I think that for people that are following you because of this show that, yeah, you're comedian Anthony Domenico, but they don't know your style. They don't know your sense of humor. They know this guy who's on this journey. Yeah. And I don't think they're looking at, look, well, you just said to me, you saw some of my posts on social media before you met and you're like, wow, this guy, this guy's a jerk off. You didn't, and you knew I was a comic, yeah. you know? So I think, I think sometimes, uh, that happens a lot. And, and case in point, um, I have a family member who is a member of Weight Watchers and they, and they called me up and they, they were like really happy because they knew that you and I were friends and, and they were at a meeting and some woman who they didn't know was at the meeting. And I guess you guys all sit around in circles and talk or whatever. And <laughs> talk, uh, give a workshop. It's, a, it's, well, it's well, a, I'm not a member, so I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to be ignorant. I, I don't know. I think you make it uh, like sit around a campfire. It's a, no, it's, a, it's a group. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, you, you cry over what you could or couldn't eat that week. I get it. It's very involved. Yeah, but, that's exactly uh, what it is. <laughs> my point being, I'm kidding. My point is, I got to be careful because now I'm going to get hate mail. From yeah. <laughs> I but, cry uh, because I care. <laughs> <laughs> But there was a woman at this meeting who said, you know, there's this there's this comedian from Long Island and I, I just I really enjoy his show. And and then, you know, my family member said, you know, I wanted to speak up and go, oh, that's, you know, uh, a friend of my friends and stuff. And it just didn't come to be. So but that's when I really realized that that was probably a good seven, eight months ago. I'm like, wow, he's really on to something where, you know, people have just stumbled upon his podcast and and you know, they're relating to it and they're drawing yeah. inspiration from it. So I think you, I can understand why that upset you because again, I think sometimes I give off this impression like, Oh, he doesn't give a shit what anyone thinks. There are points where you, you reach that, but there are also times where somebody who you're acquainted with or a colleague or even a stranger to certain degrees, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. No, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And the, the majority of the response I got to was positive, but you know, yeah. we'll always focus on, on the negative, but what, see what the thing with me, what you, what you punched on there, when a lot of people who do a weight loss journey and that want to make it like a, a public thing or want to, you know, use it as motivation for other people, they'll create a separate page. Yeah. And they'll have like, but I didn't know about that. So when I first started doing this, I was like, okay, I'm making this public. And then when I knew about it, I kind of, I didn't, I was already started the podcast and I kind of had like a decent following. And I was like, you know what? I want to show everything in my life. Like, that's what I want to do because, you know, losing weight kind of brought everything back in. So, and of course it's taken over a, a large part of my life and a large part of what I do, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm still a comedian and especially now when I don't have a place to go work out a material or a joke. I throw it out there and I see what, I, and I see what the response is. And I'm as maybe it might be something that I might use because again, the majority of it was very positive and people thought it was funny, especially the teachers. And you know, if you heard me after it was worked out and fleshed out and you actually heard me tell the joke with a certain tone and facial expressions and mannerisms, it would come across much different than just reading it on, on a tweet. Well, yeah. And, and that's where I've always appreciated 
your approach even when you were posting more jokes because the reality of it is is that I, I was never in this business to impress other comics. I was in this business mm-hmm. to to make people laugh and you know you build followings by doing that. Um and I feel like a lot of comics are just trying to use their social medias to show how clever they are. And, yeah. you know, OK, well, you know, this joke got 120 likes. OK, well, 98 of them are comics. You know, guess what? That that's not going to pay your bills. You know, uh, you got to try to relate to an audience and you got to try to be able to show, especially when you're on our level. You know, we're yeah. on a level where we might get a job where we have to be PG and then we might be in a level where it's like, okay, we're going to put you in a club and you can do whatever you want. You have to be able to show that you're versatile. You know, there's the whole thing about, Oh, finding your voice. And believe me, that's true. And it's, it's great for branding yourself. But the reality of it is, is that until you really get to that, you know, upper level and and you break into another stratosphere, you have to do jobs that you're not going to want to do. And it depends on what your mindset is. You can go into it with the attitude of, oh, I'm better than this. Or you can go into it and go, hey, you know what? It's a paying audience. Uh, It might not be the audience I would prefer, but I have a job to do. And when you get the check and it clears and they say, we want to have you back next year, guess what? (laughs) You you, you did your job. So I wouldn't worry about that. I could see anyone who's going to unfollow you, especially your type of humor, I don't think it's quote unquote edgy. Uh, no, I'm not blue. Uh, I'm not edgy, but I, I, you know, I have a sarcastic sense of humor. Yeah. And, that's and anyone what... who's going to unfollow you over that, they were going to find out sooner or later. Cause I really think with what you got going on with this podcast, it's going to open up other doors for you. And eventually it's going so. to not, knock on wood. Well, no, I, I believe it. And I, and I think that, you know, if it leads to you getting a special or getting something, they're going to see what you are anyway, then they're going to have a choice to make. Well, yeah, you know what? He might have just uh, talked about, you know, uh, giving a lady special treats. But you know what? <laughs> that week that I uh, that week that I gained four pounds and was really upset <clears throat> about it, you know, he, what he said got me through it. You know, look, life is not black and white. There's a lot of gray areas. And that's what people don't realize with social media. And yeah. screw it. Take people for better or worse. I really think that if everyone just took a step back, myself included, I'm guilty of this. You got to look at people for, for what the, what they are. I don't think that the majority of people are left or right. I don't think the majority of people are offended by everything. You, you got to just, you know, watch what you do and what you post and, and whatever, you know, but I wouldn't worry about that. I, I know that that was bothering you though, too, because you talked to me off air saying, I can't believe this. <laughs> well, it bothers me because like, you know, maybe it's just a comedian's way of thinking. And maybe it's because I grew up in the eighties and nineties where, you know, people knew how to take a joke. And I just feel like yeah. just, you know, especially time now when there's so much stress and everything, have a laugh at something. I mean, to me, that's what comics do. And that's what comedians do is they take, you know, something that's going on in the world that's not a good thing, and they mm-hmm. twist it and turn it and give you, like, maybe a funny way of looking at it. Like, you know, people, I, I even had said kids, I'm like, oh, yeah, so, you know, I, they they found it funny. I mean, it just, it's just, it bothered me because they're not looking at it the way uh, it's a joke, and they're just looking at it like, that's how I think about things, and that's not how I think about things. Because, first of all, I don't know dime one about parenting, and I don't pretend to know, and I don't assume to know anything about it. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was it, to me just as a comics brain, how it worked was like they were mad because they had to be home with their kids and they couldn't shove them off to the teachers. It was just, I don't know. It's it, And sometimes, you know, a, a preposterous premise is the joke. Yeah. You know, 
And, and so, yes, it is a preposterous thought to think that the only reason that, you know, the parents don't want their kids at home is because they can't deal with them. But that's what makes it funny. You know, being literal is not always funny. No. You know? So it, it's really no different. I think there was like a video I saw on TikTok where, you know, it was a, a mother and now it's become like a popular voiceover where the little girl is holding the bottle of wine. And and the mother's saying to her, you know, uh, well, what's that? And the girl's like, mommy's happy juice. That's funny. Of course That's it is. Funny. You and, know, and so what are you, is someone going to look at that and take it literally and go, oh, wow, you know, she's got her daughter holding a bottle of wine and making the daughter feel like the only way she could be around her is if she's the drunk. happy juice. And it's the same people that do that. It's like, where the fuck is, oh, excuse me, I know I'm not supposed to curse it, but like, where is your <laughs> head at? Where is your head at that you, that that's where you go? Like that instead of just laughing. That's where you decide to go. With or the it. millions of memes I've seen about murdering their husbands and everything like that. I just, it's just, it's just whatever you find funny. And, and that's what it is. And, but you know, also getting back to that, like you, you know, we're talking about that and, and doing your own thing. I think that's also another reason. I think you like booking your own shows as well. Like you were saying that because you know, you know, you don't have restrictions really. You know, yeah. you don't have a club owner telling you what to do. And you were saying before, like a club owner told you that it's comics that don't get booked. And I think about it a different way. <clears throat> that might be true. Like, you know, people get booked to clubs, do their own thing. But you know what? I, I, I grew up in, in like, you know, the 90s and I was big into punk rock. Yeah. And I used to go to a lot of punk rock shows and I follow a lot of bands. And one of them actually is from your neck of the woods, the Bouncing Souls, a New Jersey band, is my favorite band. And on one of their albums, it just said, F the industry, do it yourself. And you know, I think about that all the time. And that was before social media and these mediums like podcasts. Yep, it so was think about, the think album foresight. Yeah. yeah, the album cover was the MTV logo with like the the circle and the line through it, and it said "F the industry, do it yourself." Like they didn't need MTV, they didn't need mainstream media. They did a grassroots thing. Like they they went to clubs, played their asses off, you know, got people into their music that way, touring. And I think now, and this is where I think what you're ahead of the game with things. When comedy comes back, I think, you know, clubs are going to have to make money and clubs aren't going to be able to maybe paper the rooms like they used to. They're going to have to have people who could draw, you know, as one <laughs> as one club owner used to say, but no, seriously, draw. So you might have more bigger names coming in. So now, like, the guys who are headlining might become features now. And the guys who are featuring might have to MC. So it kind of knocks some people out. But what you're doing, doing it yourself, it's kind of like that punk rock mentality where I think comics are going to have to do that. They're going to have to go out there and make their own scene almost. And you got that going. And, and you know, you, like you've you built Janks up. It's respectable. It, it, the word is out. You you pack that place every every week. Like you started out, you said, with, with, with three shows you had? Yeah, we started with three. Well, you know, a lot of it is to, look, you know, I'm not going to single out. And I think I mentioned before kicking people while they're down. But a lot of it is the atmosphere, right? And atmosphere, mm -hmm. it applies to everything. It doesn't just have to be comedy shows. It could be restaurants, whatever. Sometimes people will go, eh, you know, the food ain't that great there. But you know what? I love sitting by that one little waterfall that they have on their outdoor deck. You know, there's different things that, that, that as far as atmosphere. So my goal was, you know what? Let me see what I could do with giving them a kick-ass show where in reality, a lot of my features on those shows are, are headliners in their own right too. But it's going to be in a setting where, you know what, you can go there for dinner and, and not have it be slop put on your plate. <laughs> you know, you could have a, a server, you know, come over and actually smile when they take your drink order. Yeah, good you know, the person, too, I'll give that. 
the, the person when you walk in isn't acting like you know uh, that they're doing you a favor because you patronize their business. Absolutely, no, it was, um, it was class act, and you know I, that was my first time actually ever there. Yeah, um, you know, because I'm not I'm at a party. You've invited me to so many of those things down there that I just never went to because it wasn't my scene. And yeah. maybe now I, you know, I, you know, also I, I couldn't do it because of my weight and stuff. And, and, but now I can, so maybe I'll, I'll have to take you up on it. But that was my first time there. And you know what, from the second we walked in, they didn't, they didn't know who I was, but I said, I was one of the comedians on the show class act, you know, they fed us right away. They took care of us, anything you need. And the people there they just wanted to come and laugh and have a good time. And it was a really, it was one of my favorite shows I've ever done. And I'm really looking forward to going down there again this summer and doing it because it was such a great experience. Mm-hmm. And visually, I think for the audience, even it was great. And they have like, you know, Jank's comedy club and, and, and like neon, not neon, but what is it, like a big screen? Yeah. It's like, it's like the, the LCD uh, screen. And that's all, that's a lot to do with uh, DJ Mike West, who's the owner of a company called DJ Experts, who I'm actually, I'm not going to get too into the specifics of it right now, but we're actually putting together, uh, I created a live game show that we're going to hopefully be launching within the next two weeks where people can play uh, via uh, a Skype type format, two contestants head to head. We're going to get some local businesses. Jenks is actually going to be on board for the first one where we're going to be giving away a bunch of the VIP cards to Jenks Club which gets you free admission and different deals or whatever. And it's not just good for this summer. You renew the card every year. But Mike West is always on top of uh, new technological advances. He's always got his hands on these different toys. And so, yeah, like he came to me and he said, you know, what would you like to do as far as a background? Because if you remember summer of 2018, we didn't have a background. It was just the bare stage, the bare black wall. And then they got this video wall. And they put together like a logo that made it look like, you know, like an old vaudeville type play, but with yeah. like new age font, very creative, very artistic. Um, but yeah, you're right. The venue, the whole experience. And I think now more than ever, because, you know, I look, I went full time doing comedy in or becoming enter, an entertainer because I, I hosted trivia nights and all this other stuff. But I, I went full time in 2009 and that was during the recession. And I saw firsthand that that, you know, entertainment doesn't take a brain surgeon to realize that's the first thing that goes out the window. Yes. Um, so if you can sell a full experience, you know, if you can tell people, look, we're doing these shows in Jank's club, uh, the deck is going to be open so that you could feel that ocean air coming in. You're going to be able to have a drink. Maybe you can go up there. The show starts at eight. You can go up there at five o'clock. You can, you know, walk the boardwalk. You can get a cotton candy. You could do all these different things. Um, and then go to a nightclub and, and hear dick jokes. So it all works out <laughs> together. But uh, yeah, that's a big thing. And, and and I wish more comics understood that. You know, we were mm-hmm. talking about that club owner that we both know that that used to always say, oh, well, you're not drawing. Well, yeah, you know what? Give me incentive to draw. But here's, you know? here's the funny thing. Like, you know, again, with, with that's why I, I bring up the bouncing souls and that whole kind of do yourself punk rock mentality and to take that in any really aspect of your life, don't wait for something to come to you. Go do it. But you played those clubs, and you were you were a headliner at those clubs. You played them a lot. I played them with you. Yeah. And he kind of got on you for not bringing people in that you were a local guy. You know, you kind of have to look at it like here you do six, nine shows a you know, and it's every other Tuesday. It was last year, every other Tuesday. You had a packed house every time. Maybe because, it wasn't yeah. you that because wasn't the happened, problem. What would happen was, and, and again, you know, look, I'm an adult. I've made plenty of mistakes in my. We career. all have. Not, we all, we all not, made mistakes. 
Yeah, but you know, I, I and and I'm not going to lie. When I severed uh, ties, you know, with that person that we're talking about, there was a good couple. If it wasn't for Jenks, I probably would have been much worse off. They mm-hmm. they were like the first that came to me and said, "Listen, you know, we want to do this with you," and and that was a huge saving grace. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to pretend that there weren't hard times. And look, I'm not going to pretend that there weren't still some avenues that, you know, or, or things that I had going on back then that I don't have now. But mm-hmm. there was so many other doors that have opened up. And, and you really just have to look at it from a business sense. You you know, I remember going out to a club uh, in, in Baltimore called Magoobies, and it's a beautiful club. And I was the feature act. The headliner was a guy named Mickey Coachella. And Mickey was the morning radio DJ on the big rock station in Belmar, uh, Belmar in uh, Baltimore, uh, 94, one something. I, I don't remember, but it was a big deal. And so I was the feature. He was the headliner. We did Thursday through Saturday, five shows. He sold out. My pay was was minuscule and I was not given a hotel room. But I figured, OK, you know what? You got to pay your dues. You got to make the sacrifice. So I found like an extended stay America that charged 50 bucks a night. When all was said and done, I had to feed myself. You know, I used to like to wake up hungover so <laughs> <laughs> I could skip breakfast. They'd give me dinner at the club, but I still had to get lunch every day. I had to pay for the gas to go to Baltimore. I had to pay for the hotel room. I had to pay for the gas back. The owner of the club sent word through my manager. Oh, he did great. We can't wait to have him back, blah, blah, blah. Sure enough, I said, well, okay, I'll go back, but I at least I'm going to need a hotel room. You know, I, I, I can't pay out of pocket for a hotel again. Oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. A few months later, you know, the call came in. Okay, we want him to come and feature for this person, and this person happened to be Artie Lang. And Artie wasn't bringing his own feature, and this was like right after I had done Artie's show. Yeah. And I turned it down because it was the exact same pay, uh, as it was last time. And it was no hotel. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, don't get me wrong. Was that a very hard decision to make? Absolutely. It's Artie Lang, one of my favorite guys, uh, you know, on the road with Artie. Like, yeah. why would I turn that down? But then I'm thinking, no, because that was like disrespectful. And I'm not taking anything, you know, look, they didn't need to book Ryan Moore. They could have put a local feature up there. But I'm like, why am I going to put that message out there that I'm going to let you book me for a loss? It's just it's not happening. I've been doing this way too long now. And especially in these local areas like on the Jersey Shore and North Jersey uh, and even parts of Pennsylvania where I can guarantee you that you're going to sell between 20 to 40 tickets just to see me. Why am I going to go work for you for one hundred dollars and and then have you tell me that, you know, I, I can't eat a steak? Like, like, what's the point of that? <laughs> you know? Like. So I, I wish more comedy uh, if more comics had that mentality, I'm not saying a union or anything along those lines, but if they at least had some more respect for themselves. Well, that's actually uh, just more in life. You, know, you think about it. That's, you know, of course, in comedy. But like you took that and I, I, I give you a lot of credit, you know, because like you said, when you severed ties at that place, it was a tough break. I mean, a, a lot of work was gone and you, you had to pick yourself back up and you, you refused to settle for, you know, for something less and, and not being taken care of. And but I think. Just not just comedy. I think people well, need to do I, I that. I will clarify because I know that there's probably some stooges that are, that are going to go back and give word that are watching. But the reality of it is I was taken care of and, and I'm thankful for for the uh, opportunities that I was given. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just smart enough now to realize that there was never really anything done that was, was specifically to benefit me. There was always – 
Whereas I don't, I'm not that type of person. Of course you have to take care of yourself. I get that, yeah. but you know, I, I'm okay with going, you know what, you know, I'm going to th- like, like if somebody calls me, you know, uh, pre pandemic and says, Hey, you know, uh, I got this gig for you on a Saturday night. Uh, can you do it? And I'm booked. I could say no, but you know who I think might be open. Anthony Domenico, give him a buzz. If you get that gig, I'm not going to turn to you and go, oh, by the way, uh, I'm taking 10% the next time you drive three hours to this other gig. Like, you know what I mean? So, but I'm thankful there were a lot of opportunities and doors open. But now, as we see this whole pandemic taking place and Mm -hmm. all this uncertainty, and we don't know what's going to happen next, now is the time for these guys and girls to really market themselves. And I know it's harder for people that are living in New York City that are past at all the city clubs where they're doing, you know, these 20 minute spots showcasing. But you know what? With social media, there's so many different options. And if somebody like me, who's a a technological idiot, if I can (laughs) learn these different things, a lot of you guys are already way ahead of the curve with this stuff. You know, there's a lot. I don't want to see anybody fail, but are there a few people where, if they have to drastically change their ways and maybe actually treat the people working for them like human beings, that would be a nice touch. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Before we wrap this up, do you want to do some questions? Yeah, sure. All right. I'm going to have to turn the computer for a second um, to get the questions. So you'll have to, you're not going to see Ryan at at this, at this moment. Um, But we do have some questions from the audience here and they're actually pretty good questions. My audience likes to send questions in, Ryan. So hopefully you'll be honest and as open as I always know you are. And then we'll get uh we'll have some fun here with these. So um Uh-oh. I'm gonna pick some pick some of the best questions here. Okay, here's an easy one for you. How long okay. have you been doing comedy? Uh almost fourteen years. It was October two thousand six. I started um at this open mic tournament. I didn't even know it was a tournament. And I went up and uh, I wound up winning the whole tournament. But then my prize was a paid spot opening for Jackie Martling. And I got five minutes and I bombed so hard <laughs> to the point of where I thought, you know what? I might not ever do this again, but I, I stuck with it. So, yeah, almost almost 14 years. OK. All right. Four almost 14 years. Um, let's see here. Uh, best thing about being friends with Anthony. Uh, well, he's very level-headed. So there's been times, I mean, I'm a hothead and, um, Anthony is much more level-headed than I am. So sometimes look, and I think he would probably, you know, you might say the same thing about me. It's good when you can, you know, be honest with somebody and get their honest feedback. There have been times where, you know, I would let my anger or paranoia make me think one thing, but then Mm -hmm. when I would hash it out with you, you would be like, nah, maybe it was this. And sometimes you'd wind up being right. So I I like that he's very level-headed, uh, you know, to counter- me ready to fly off the handle. <laughs> that is that is a good thing. Uh, I'll, I'll, we are a good balance like that. Some some of these questions are actually answered, like how we met. Um, yeah. How long it became to become friends? Uh, here's one. They want to know. Uh, somebody wants to know why do you call me a mark? <laughs> so uh, I used to be involved in the professional wrestling business. I had major back surgery when I was 14, and I was uh, I was paralyzed. I had all kinds of issues. I was in the hospital for a month. It was for a disease called Truman's kyphosis. And my dream was not to be a stand-up comic. It was to be a professional wrestler. And I had fallen into uh, you know a bunch of different independent wrestling promotions, starting out setting up the ring. And because of my limitations with steel rods in my spine, I couldn't become a wrestler, but I was a manager and all those things. So I really learned the ins and outs of the wrestling business. And that's what led me into comedy. But Anthony is the guy that he loves it. I love wrestling, but he loves it so much (laughs) 
that like anything they do, Anthony's on board. Oh, it's on board. There's a new there's a new coffee mug with uh, with a Lundra Blazes logo on it. Boy, let me buy that. I would get a Lundra Blazes logo. That's that's a that's a throwback. Yeah, like and and so that's why I call him Mark because the, the the term Mark in professional wrestling it started from the carnival days, like and they still use it. Carnies, like okay, that person's a Mark. We're gonna get them to come over mm-hmm. and give us their money while we fool them, and they're gonna <laughs> spin this wheel a hundred times and never get the stuffed animal. They're a Mark. So Anthony, Anthony's a Mark. That whatever Uncle Vince McMahon puts out there. <laughs> Anthony's like, oh, give it to me. Yes. Oh, wait, they're, they're going to do a cartoon match at Money in the Bank. Oh, I can't wait. I hope Kevin Owens is in it. You know, so. All right. All right. Okay. You answered basically how you became a comedian. Um, here's one. Any funny stories about Anthony? Um, no, nah, you know, like I said, he's always been, he's always been very level-headed. What I do like though, sometimes, and actually Joe Starr, I think pointed this out one night to you when we did that firehouse gig, sometimes I think you get stressed. And even though you're a ball breaker, I think you sometimes have a hard time telling when people are breaking balls. There's a bar not far from Anthony's house called the new bridge Inn. And if John Consoli watches this, I think John Consoli is good friends with the owner of it. And this guy, nice, nice guy, but he just, you know, he's got that grizzled old, like uh, bar owner look to him, like a real man's man kind of look. And he hates heavy metal music. And I remember one of his employees <laughs> put heavy metal on the jukebox and this guy went absolutely insane. Like he started screaming mother F this and mother F that and dressing this employee down in front of everybody. I mean, it was really bad. And Anthony and I order like chicken wings. They come out and I had like a, a wad of singles and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go put some Metallica on the jukebox, maybe some Slipknot. And he got so fucking worried. <laughs> like, I was just like busted shots. But he was like, no, no, we're going to, you know, I, I live here. I have to come back here. Why would you piss this guy <laughs> off? You know, he hates heavy metal music. <laughs> so uh, it's true. We used to be there every Friday night built by by, uh, my friend Bill, his wife. Was, That's is the right. bartender was, there? The bartender. Yeah. So I'm like, you gotta mess it up for Bill. I mean, <laughs> don't do this. It's, listen, I have, and I admittedly, I don't know when somebody's joking with me or kidding. Yeah. Like I believe anything anybody tells me. Like Tracy Carnazzo, who's going to be on the show with us at Janks, uh-huh. she's got a podcast called Only in New York, and I've said yeah. this on the podcast before. Um, when she told me that, when I saw that, I'm like, I said to her, I'm like, why would you do a podcast that you can only listen to in New York? <laughs> he's like check out my new podcast only in new york i'm like wait so only you can only listen to it and she goes no you idiot it's called only in new york it's people telling their stories about moving to the city yeah and their experience in the city it's like, actually a very smart idea yeah like i'll ask my dad you know hey you know because he's he works in the medical industry i said hey how you feeling today he goes ah, i got corona I go, really he goes yep i go seriously he goes no he goes, yeah <laughs> like he just because he, he knows he can get me every time yeah, no, there's, uh, you know, and, well, Tracy, she's actually another example of, uh, I actually had her booked on a show at Wicked Wolf in Hoboken and then unfortunately didn't happen yeah. uh, because of this pandemic. But she's another example of somebody who, again, you know, the mindset that I had uh, years ago, and when I say years ago, I'll say pre-2017, um, you know, somebody like her, you know, if you didn't know her, you would just see all these different things. Okay, she's got a podcast about this, a podcast about that. It's easy if you don't know the person to lump them in with, oh man, they're just putting up, 
so much, you know, throwing enough spaghetti up against the wall, something will stick. But then I'm driving Uber one day because I sometimes do that. And I'm listening to Jim and Sam, you know, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts. And they're like, oh, and now coming in Tracy Carnazzo. And I'm like, holy, holy shit, that's the girl that Anthony's <laughs> friends with. And she was on for like a half hour and, yeah. and she killed it. Um, and that always reminds me of one of my probably my favorite storyteller in the business. So I've gotten to work with a lot. Richie Byrne. Uh, he always told me the story like one night I did a bit. And we were up at Lake Ontario Playhouse. And I don't remember what the bit was, but I got off stage and he's like, eh, you know, uh, I would change this about that. And I was like, oh, OK, thank you. Because, again, coming from the wrestling business, you always took advice from the mentors. Yes. Whether you agreed with it or not, it was a respect thing. You just, you know, listen, I actually happened to agree with Richie. Whatever he had said, I was like, yeah, you know what? I think that would work better. And then like two minutes later, he goes, yeah, you know what? Never mind. Don't listen to me. <laughs> I got I got. <laughs> And I said, what are you, what are you talking about? He goes, no, he goes, he goes, you know, I remember I had a, I did a show where Lisa Lampanelli opened for me. It was like 1996 and she went up there and she was super filthy and, and, and she got off stage and said, what did you think? And I said, what, what did I think? I think it was terrible. Like, what the hell were you doing? He goes, then I go to a concert with my wife at Radio City Music Hall. And before the concert starts up on the big screen, it says next month, Lisa Lampanelli sold out. So he goes, whatever advice I give you, do the exact opposite. I got a I got a funny Richie Burns story. Then we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up with that. Are you there? Yeah. Oh, you're laughing. All right. I couldn't hear you. So I, I'm opening up for Richie at McGuire's. This is this is years ago. This is a while ago. Probably when I first started. Probably like three years in, maybe. Okay. And it was a Friday night, and to offset some okay. of the ticket sales, you know, they used to pay for the room, they had a singles night. So a singles group was there. Yeah. And so after the show, there's four four people come out. Two couples come in. Look at like couples, a guy and a girl, and a guy and a girl come out. So the guy goes to the bathroom, and the girl's sitting there, and she's kind of looking at me. And I never, you know, me, I, I never think uh, any girl's interested at all. Uh, so Richie goes, hey, man, she's checking you out. Go talk to her. I'm like, nah, she's not looking at me. She goes, you had a good set tonight. You were funny. He goes, Let's go talk to her. I'm like, Richie, I really don't think. He goes, just would you go over there and talk to her? I go, okay. So I go over there, and I, I, I'm always going over. I'm like, hey, so um, you with the group? <laughs> and she's like, what group? And all of a sudden, you hear Richie go, ha, 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 is that the best you got? <laughs> <laughs> are you with the group? He goes, are you kidding me? And I'm like, oh, there's like a singles group here. So I don't know if you with that group. And I just, I'm like, all right, I'll, you have a good time at the show? All right, I'll talk to you later. I just, I just walked away. And yeah, he did he, uh, one of my favorite uh, trips with, we did, uh, well, my first ever week at the Borgata was with Richie and Don Gavin, who's a legend. And that was just so much fun because Richie likes to, Richie likes to indulge in some cocktails and, and a bunch of my Jersey buddies that were cops came down and, and we really, we, you know, we, we really went after it. But Richie got me a gig at the Lake Ontario Playhouse way up mm -hmm. in like Sackets Harbor, New York. It was about a nine hour drive and there was no hotel. We actually the Lake Ontario Playhouse was like this fire department, this firehouse that was built in the early 1800s. They had converted into like a theater slash showroom. So the hotel accommodations uh, were actually these bedrooms with no air conditioning above the stage at Lake Ontario Playhouse. So that part of it was brutal, but we got to just hang out and, and, and you know, go out after the shows. And then the club owner uh, took us out on his boat on Lake Ontario, which is beautiful. But the boat was was terrible. And I'll just never forget, like, being thankful that we were getting to go on a boat. And the owner pulls up with the boat, Richie and I are on the deck, and Richie goes, you didn't tell me it was the chitty, chitty bang, bang of boats. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so then we're on the boat. And at the time I was a cigarette smoker. And I mean, I just wasn't thinking I'm smoking a cigarette and I asked, which was very ignorant of me, but you know, just not thinking I flicked the cigarette into the lake. This guy who owned the club stops the boat. No exaggeration. <laughs> shorts and sneakers dives overboard and swims out for the cigarette butt and brings it back. And he goes, do you realize the amount of pollution that this boat is just putting into the water? And you're worried about his cigarette butt? It was just, <laughs> I don't know. That's the stuff uh, I miss. You that, know? Yes, that's Working. that's what I'm talking about. You said, no, I, I don't miss that. No, I like the crowd. I perform <laughs> for the crowd. Well, no, you're talking about that that BS that uh, goes. I like to go out there and hit the crowd. I don't. I don't sound like that. I don't that, sound like that. No, I don't like it at all. No, I'm, yeah. you know what I was referring to. I was referring. I don't. You talking about the BS that goes on where it's like, oh, hey, uh, you know, uh, I just signed with this manager and we're going to be doing this, and no, you're not. Shut up. That's I, I understand what you're talking about. I'm just saying that I, I, I miss the hanging with the guys. That's that's what I miss. All right, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna have to wrap this fun up. This has been a really fun show. We could probably go on forever. Yeah, um, which makes me feel like I was wish I was more successful and actually had a radio show that was on six hours a day, but that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I want to thank Ryan for coming on. Ryan, please tell everybody where they can find you on social media. All right, so Facebook, it's Ryan Mar M A H E R. Uh, I'm at the friend limit, but you can follow. I'm trying to push everybody over to my. Got Instagram. a lot of friends now. Five thousand. Yeah, yeah I'm very. I, I don't know why I sound like Jimmy Cagney in, in a 1930s gangster flick, but thank you. Um, no, so Ryan Mar comedy. Ryan You're not gonna M-A-H-E-R. make the cut. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. Thank you. Uh, I'll, I'll actually now I have four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine friends because I'll be deleting Anthony, so I'll make room. Uh, but yeah, no, so Ryan Moore Comedy on Instagram because I take a lot of the jokes that I put up daily on Facebook, screenshot them, and I put them on my Instagram story. So you're not going to really miss much. Although some of the conversations that take place on my Facebook threads are better than any joke that I could ever write. Nice. Uh, so yeah, just you know, shoot me a message on Facebook, Instagram, Ryan Moore Comedy. Let's keep in touch. Let's have some fun. Everybody hang in there. Um, you know, I'm going to be starting Spitball and Legends with PJ Wendell this Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Episode one's about Howard Stern. It's going to be live. So you can ask questions, you know, while we're spitballing. Uh, the Future's Wild, which is the the game show that I'm creating. Uh, it's a social media game show. Hopefully there'll be more information on that in the coming days and weeks. And uh, hopefully Jank's Club, July 7th, man. And then Anthony will be there July 21st. Let's just keep holding out hope that that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm hoping that's the case because I'm, I'm really looking forward to going down. And I'm really hoping by that time, I mean, they, they'll get people in there. So, I mean, hopefully we'll see you there. And once again, just thank you so much for, for doing the podcast. It was, I had a lot of fun tonight. I had a lot of fun too, bro. It was really enjoyable. All right, everybody. That was episode 119 of the WW Bro Podcast brought to you every week at Facebook Live. You can always listen to the podcast at www.podcast.podbean.com and available on iTunes. And guys, please, five-star rate and review. I love reading those reviews and sharing them on social media as well. We are played in and out each week by Hollow and their single, Something to Believe. My best friend Nick wrote this song. You can go download it on iTunes as well. And while you're there, check out his new band, Demon Scar. They're dropping so much music right now during this pandemic. So definitely check them out, Demon Scar. Uh, guys, if you want to follow me on social media, only one place to go, that's Comic Anthony D. And the podcast is WW Bro Podcast. And for any of my future comedy dates, actually, my, my next date is actually at Jenks, July 21st. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, buddy. Um, everything else has been canceled to that part, but you can go check me at, at Janks July 21st. You can go to anthonydlive.com. Also updates on the live podcast as well. And hopefully uh, we can let the push back too far. And hopefully this summer we'll have uh, the live podcast. And hopefully next week I'll have more of an update on that for you. Once again, guys, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. And listen, before I forget, for your deli needs, only one place to go. That's Finn's Deli, 4646 Merrick Road in Massapequa. They're so open. They're taking orders. Go support your local businesses no matter where you are. Support the local businesses. That's the best, best thing you can do during this pandemic. Keep them open and going. And I'll talk to you guys next week. We're having a fun show next week. We'll get back to the, the weight loss stuff. I had. I mean, we had a couple of weeks here with, with guests, and, and uh, it's, it's fun for me. You guys see a different side of me. Yeah, and I'm sorry I'm not skinnier. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good week. I'll talk to you later. <laughs>